<laughs> Don't worry, we're treating the Kurds really well. <laughs> Great stuff. <laughs> Erdogan and I are such good friends now. Yes, it's like when Franco and Mussolini would uh, take vacations together. <laughs> of course, some people like our generals, or the generals as I call them. <laughs> are mad that we pulled out of Syria. Uh, usually people are mad when you don't pull out. <laughs> this guy's incredible. But again, I have nothing to gain financially from this decision. Now, how would he profit from this? He is a terrible businessman and, and, and very poor. Well, no, actually, I'm, I'm rich. Yeah, right. You only have, what, a uh, hundred billion? Well, not exactly, but it's definitely billions. Uh, he's being modest. I'm sure it's more than that. Show them your tax return. Thank you so much for stopping by. <laughs> oh, and we're still working on getting that dirt on Biden. Uh, but I wanted to throw it out there that uh, we could just uh, make him disappear. No, no, we don't want to do that. <laughs> Are you sure? It's, it's no big deal. We do uh, it all no, the time. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's so nice of you to offer, really. Okay, then. Well, then, turn the oven off, because this turkey is done. And, and live from New York! Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week we'll be discussing Season 45, Episode 4 of SNL with host and musical guest Chance the Rapper. I'm John Murray and I'm joined this week by comedy aficionado and generally affable bloke, Steve Finn. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy the following selected highlights from this week's discussion. If you'd like to hear our full-length, ad-free, sketch-by-sketch review, it's available exclusively for our patrons at patreon.com forward slash snlpodcast. It's our patrons who make the cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash SNL podcast. All right, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, Chance the Ripper! Welcome back, Steve. How was your trip? <laughs> that was not the question I was expecting you to ask me. Well, I, I, I have an ulterior motive here because you, you sent me a, uh, a very intriguing text. And uh, what I really want to know is, where's my damn Bobby Moynihan Funko Pop? Yes, yes. You <laughs> did get a picture of a Funko Pop because I found a really awesome drunk Uncle Funko. A drunk Funkle, yeah. maybe? Uh, on my trip. <laughs> well, that's all I was doing is showing you a picture. It's, it's mine. It's for me to enjoy and for you to be jealous of. Uh. That's, that's fair enough. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Um, we have a quick program note before we jump into the show tonight. Uh, we are actively recruiting new co-hosts for the SNL After Party <laughs> podcast. So if there's anyone with a generous spirit and generally affable nature who feels like they want to talk SNL, preferably with a Canadian accent, East Coast, all the better. I offered to buy you a Spartan cheerleaders. <laughs> Nobody wants the Spartan cheerleaders. Bobby Moynihan's my boy. Two Funko Pops. The fact that you even saw that Funko Pop and didn't immediately think, you know what, John, my boy, <laughs> he really loves Bobby Moynihan. I should really get him this Funko Pop. Well, that's definitely why I showed it to you. That's why I sent you a picture of it, because I knew you'd appreciate it. Mm, you know what I'd appreciate? My damn Bobby Moynihan <laughs> Funko Pop. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm going to have to <laughs> think about this. Anyways, I... Uh, before we jump into the show, I want to give a quick shout out to some of our newest patrons, Kurt from Clemson, South Carolina, John Hart from Whirl, England, Mark Berman of Anaheim, California, Carol LeClaire of Boston, Massachusetts, and Steve Gutterson from Parts Unknown. To all of our newest patrons and all of our patrons, thank you so very, very much for your support. 
a reluctant specter performs his ditty of the damned for two interlopers in a spooky graveyard. Funny setup here. Mm-hmm. All these these spooky macabre Halloween stories and songs, you know, they all rely on a certain irony of their death or whatever led to their demise is worth hearing about. Sure. (laughs) But you know, dying isn't always that spooky little story. Sometimes it's, (laughs) it's, it's embarrassing. You know, people die on the toilet. Not if they have the toilet death ejector. Of course. Right. Exactly. (laughs) But you know, there's also auto erotic asphyxiation, et cetera. There's a lot of embarrassing ways to die. Sure. If you were to be reanimated to sing a song, maybe you don't want to reflect on that. Mm -hmm. And this is what we get here. It was a funny thing to explore. And I thought it was great. Yep. High marks for the set design, the costume design, all of the the production magic that went into this. We had. It was well punched up. Yeah. We had puppeted skeletons. We had, you know, the um, observant owl. We had the LCD suddenly woven into the background where you don't even realize at first that it isn't just a static backdrop until they have the complementing animation in the clouds, you know, that's right. telling the story along with them. So some serious, serious production values on display. And the nice thing is it wasn't production for production's sake. Like you said, it was all in service of something that at its core was already a funny premise. Yes. The idea that in these kind of schlocky, more fun than horrific sort of like amusement park rides that you might see where you get these kind of uh, almost like animatronic dances. You know, SNL has, has walked into that territory many, many times in the past, but when that's kind of the, the tone that you're striking, you expect that the stories that they're going to tell are going to be horror cliches and they're just going to be amusing and entertaining as much as horrific. And then you get your, your reluctant uh, specter there who has um, a bit more of a, a shameful tale to recount. And uh, he's just happy to try and sidestep it and fly under the radar. And he just doesn't really want to play the part and they won't let him off the hook. Yeah, so much. Of course fun. there are rules that have to be adhered to. Exactly. And because there's a little bit of back and forth before he actually reveals his, his shameful tale, uh, you get the build up. the, okay, what's he hiding? Oh, okay, this just took a turn, but where are we going with it? You know, what is he going to reveal? And I thought the reveal was sufficiently bizarre, <laughs> you know, yeah. battery fetish gone wrong. Um, this was weird. This was fun. And uh, much like, you know, the David pumpkins that came before it, these are the kind of high production value, just weird, quizzical little head scratchers that you would want in your, uh, your Halloween episode. So uh, I think that this is another one that works for uh, a holiday theme show. Right. And you mentioned those animations in the mm-hmm. clouds, yeah, which was really a, a great selling feature of the sketch. How great was it when Chance expertly timed drop out of the song? Oh, yeah. The, the cloud is still up there sh- telegraphing where we're at in the story. Yeah. Right where he got to the part where he inserts the rod. That's where he decides to stop singing. <laughs> yes. So basically freeze frames in that position yes. just for us to glare at it. It's not going anywhere. It's, mm-hmm. It was a beautiful train wreck to watch. We get a live sketch. Jennifer experiences the soaring feeling of true love while at a bar with her girlfriends. Yeah, this is uh, this is the kind of sketch you want to have your Xanax handy for. Okay. Uh, at least for me, because whenever uh, wires get involved, especially when they have <laughs> to attach them sure. during the sketch, yeah. you know, that's just asking for something to go wrong. And, uh, you know, nothing happened. Nobody fell. And obviously they weren't high up enough sure. yep. uh, to be hurt, which was part of the joke. 
Yeah, this is just one of those sketches where they just play with, you know, technical capabilities that they might have in their wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea of being elevated, but not that much, you know, being kind of in love. It was, (laughs) it was a funny take on that whole trope. Yeah. Their height parallels how into it they genuinely are. Right. You know, like chance comes back down to earth, literally, you know, um, yeah, there, there's something amusing about presenting that idea on screen that, uh, yeah, love isn't always quite as, you know, soaring and elevating for both parties. Um, I'm going to call this the first miss of the night. I'm going thumbs down on this and not because it wasn't technically ambitious and not because everyone wasn't trying, but I got the feeling from this that the joke didn't need this much um, chaos to work. I think there might've been a better version of the sketch where they were just playing with that idea of, you know, are we both genuinely smitten with this, uh, you know, true love moment that has just swept us off our feet. Um, you know, maybe not, you know, they, they could have played with just that idea without also feeling like they needed to rely on the idea that, Oh, they're not so high off the ground that as they soar, they're creating chaos and destruction for everyone around them. Yes. I agree. And yeah. And so you have that whole second aspect to the sketch. And so I'm sitting there saying, wait a minute, is this meant to be a delicious mess? Did they set this up because they just wanted to destroy this set like Bill Hader on a rascal or, you know, some of the other delicious messes that we've had over the years, are they just intending this to fall apart? And that's why they've structured it to be so chaotic or was there a tighter version of the sketch? And it was just too complicated a production to pull off on live TV. Because I'm sitting there thinking that rather than enjoying what could be the smarter aspects of the sketch, it just wasn't working. Hey gang, let's talk protein bars, specifically Daryl's all natural protein bars. If you already have a go-to protein bar, you might be wondering what Daryl's bars offer that your current bar doesn't. Well, there's a few things. First, Daryl's bars don't have any artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. In fact, they don't have any artificial ingredients of any kind. They are made with nothing but high-quality natural ingredients, including four nutrient-dense superfoods, chia seeds, quinoa flakes, hemp hearts, and golden flaxseed. Second, they have ridiculously good macros, with upwards of 22 grams of protein per bar and as little as 2 grams of sugar and low-net carbs. And third, they taste amazing. Like, really, really, really great. They don't have any chemical aftertaste or gritty, unnatural texture. They are moist, flavorful, and just satisfying to eat. You'll never have to endure eating a Daryl's bar. Like you'll never have to force yourself to muscle one down. You'll likely find yourself tempted to just eat them when you're looking for a quick snack. And you know what? That's totally okay. Cause they are a guilt-free gluten-free meal replacement that will support anyone's wellness or fitness goals. So why not head over to darylsbars.com? That's D-A-R-Y-L-S bars.com and check out the nutrition facts for any of their delicious flavors. Like seasonal favorite vanilla pumpkin spice, which offers an inviting, wholesome infusion of nutmeg, cinnamon, and vanilla. And when you're ready to give them a try, use coupon code SNL to get 10% off your entire order, plus free shipping across the lower 48 states. And when you use coupon code SNL during checkout at darylsbars.com, not only will you save 10%, but you'll also be helping to support our cast. All right, enjoy. Do we want to uh, take a look at our moment of the night? I'm going to go with Owen Yang and his harem of ladies uh at the uh, league of legends competition sure the whole moment including mm. chance's reaction because the face he pulled and uh, how long he held it on his face for got genuine laughs for me 
not like pity laughs. Oh, the the musical guest host is doing such a good job acting. Like, no, genuinely funny performance from mm-hmm. Chance the Rapper. So uh, that stuck out as a moment. Yep. I'm going to go with Chance's monologue right near the end. Everybody exits the stage. It's back on him and he's going to bring his song home. He points out, you know what? I love my family. My second daughter, you know, just arrived a month ago, kind of reinforcing the whole theme of the song. You know, I, I, sometimes I love the, uh, you know, the second place option at that moment. He was just the nicest, most likable little scamp on television. And (laughs) I just was really won over by how infectious he is as a, as a performer, how upbeat and positive his message is and how refreshing that is in our current climate. Like there was just so much to love about what he was bringing there that the way he capped that monologue, uh, there was nothing better. The show could have done at that point to make me on board with the show and, uh, just, you know, make me love chance. So that's my moment. That's a good moment. Best sketch. I'm going to give best sketch to Laszlo Holmes. Covering uh, League of Legends World Championships. It was uh, an improvement from the original mm-hmm. uh, sketch. I think they honed in what worked with it. <laughs> yes. And play that up to even greater laughs. Yes. So I was hesitant to give it to like a sequel sketch because we all know, oh, the sequel's never as good as mm-hmm. the original. Uh, obviously, we're seeing a lot of recognizable beats from the original, but I thought they were just so well retooled for another outing so i think that's my best sketch yeah no you're not wrong this was an incredibly satisfying second run at this character and that's what you always look for like are they going to find a fresh way to run at it is it going to feel like it's out of steam or is it going to feel like oh my goodness look at how well this character translates to all these you know fun different places they can drop them in that's what we got with this that's why, you know, uh, it felt so good. And then to have the writing be as sharp as it was and to have them mine so many fun aspects of that particular scenario, like the idea of a video game player having a parade of groupies and how, you know, flummoxed he would be, you know, witnessing that going down and just like how the world has changed around him. Um, fun. Great. Absolutely. So I respect it, but because you went with it, I'm going to go with what would have been my honorable mention. The, uh, Diddy of the damned sketch. I think you have to offer high marks across the board to all of the production elements that had to come together really nicely for that to work. I think the performances in it were great. I think chance kept pace with all of the other ghouls. You know, you've got seasoned sketch performers there doing their, you know, marionette style uh, animatronic dancing. And, you know, he's right there doing it with them. And uh, I think that they just did really, really good with it. End to end. It was fun enough from a concept standpoint and it was just executed really, really well. So well-rounded and uh, when SNL shoots high with their production and it doesn't fall apart, like, you know, sometimes we do see sketches that shoot high and even in this episode, maybe don't hold together quite as well. I got to applaud when they really pull it together. Yeah. You can't deny that. No MVP MVP. uh, I'll give it to chance. The rapper. Okay. As a very, very fun, capable host because it's very easy for, you know, a non-comedian host to drag down the whole sketch. Sure. You know, these these writers of the show can only be as good as what they can get out of that uh, that host, that host that's expected to be in every sketch and in some capacity the focal point of the show. Mm-hmm. So I feel we got an elevated show for that reason. Therefore, Chance deserves it. Fair enough. 
I'm going to break with tradition and I'm actually going to give it to one of the uh, staff writers, Streeter Seidel. He is the often collaborator with Mikey Day. Mm -hmm. And if you look through the rundown of what made it on air this week, more than half of the show was written by him, or he at least collaborated on more than half the show. And you can kind of see that, especially in the first half of the show, their trademark goofiness, especially with um, the MSG's esports coverage of League of Legends. He was also writing Tasty Toaster Tarts, which I think was the best pre-tape of the night. And, you know, a solid one even for the season. It's, you know, one of the funner ones we've had. So I really liked what they were able to craft there. And um, Diddy of the Damned, that was them. And uh, Eric and Donald Trump. Basically, anytime you saw Mikey Day tonight, you've got, you know, his better half behind the scenes helping to craft that material. So uh, he was a busy guy this week. And I, I just got to respect how prolific he is and how they are as a team. And uh, I think that that's worth a nod this week. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, I remember thinking, watching that pre-tape, the Tasty Toaster Tarts. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to check. That was so streeter. Yes, yeah. And not just because Mikey had a lot of lines. <laughs> sure. Yep. No, you could feel their fingerprints all over this show. And uh, sometimes I think that that makes it a little bit better because their stuff is usually pretty lighthearted and accessible and just easy to get on board with. And I don't know, maybe it's just they speak to me uh, a bit more than they would to some, but yeah, I really like what they were producing this week. And uh, I think uh, Streeter deserves a little shout out. He do, though. Very good. On a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck, how would you rate this episode? I'll give it a decent. Okay. I think decent is the way to go because, well, we had some fun sketches. We definitely didn't have like the Pulitzer Prize winner of writing with <laughs> sure. this particular episode. Like, you know, some of the stuff was serviceable, some of it was a little bit under that bar, arguably. But, I think this was all held together by the cast really well. Okay. And not just the cast, but the performances of the cast, as well as, you know, set designers, uh, makeup, costume folk, you know, a lot of people really had a lot of, a lot of elements of the show relying on their job. Sure. And they all performed that. So as a well-oiled machine, I think this took some relatively weak material and made a, a more than weak episode out of it. Fair enough. My feeling is the first half of this show was really, really strong, particularly the live material after the monologue. That first run of sketches up until weekend update was really, really good. High production values, sharp writing, revisiting a character that we already love and figuring out how to, to make the second outing even more memorable than the first outing. Uh, we had some really good material. Then Michael Che fumbled that joke and the whole rest of the show went off the rails for some reason <laughs> for me. Um, I don't feel like the back half of this one really did much for me other than that pre-tape. I was hoping to be brought back on board because the first half had me so jazzed. I, I was so willing to forgive a couple fumbles and stick with the show that when it was just kind of, eh, you know, messy lackluster sketch after messy lackluster sketch in the back half that, um, I feel that that knocks it down a couple pegs. So much like our last episode with David Harbor, I feel like they really came up with some great stuff. They just front loaded the show and then just kind of let it sort of fall apart at the end. I feel like we had the exact same situation this week. So I think that that just lands right at decent for me because 50% great and 50% meh to me feels like decent. Yeah, but it's still a net decent. So yeah, no, no, there's definitely some fun stuff to check in on. Uh, just not enough to fill up an hour and a half yet. And I just, I want to see the, the meter 
you know, slowly ratchet up until they can really fill out a full show. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I mean, that's, uh, I guess that's my hot take <laughs> on the status of the show. Unless you got anything else great you want to say, I think we should wrap this one up. Probably. Yeah. No, I'm good. Okay. All right. That's a cast. Thanks to my guest, Steve Finn. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, Aaron and Trader, Donald Yates, and Neil Weinstein. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host Kristen Stewart and musical guest Coldplay. Until then, this has been episode number 90 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night, and have a pleasant tomorrow. Fred Armisen, Daryl Hammond, Jason Momoa, Meg the Stallion, Jason, Lauren, everybody else, Jesus Christ is Lord, you know how we getting down, it's just forever baby, two times! Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has endorsed Bernie Sanders for president. Damn, damn, another young woman turned into an older man promising to pay for college. (laughs) You hate to see it, Colin, you really do. (laughs) That's 0 for 2?